our communion meditation is in Jonah. Now, I'll uh, comment on chapter 2, but I'll start reading at verse 17 in chapter 1. Now, the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the fish's belly, and he said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me. All your billows and your waves passed over me. Then I said, I have been cast out of your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The waters surrounded me, even to my soul. The deep closed around me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down to the moorings of the mountains. The earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Yet you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer went up to you, into your holy temple. Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy, but I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. So the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and we pray that you would uh, open our ears to hear it, that we would clearly have your spirit speak. In Christ's name we pray and give you thanks. Amen. Now, for uh, many that haven't been here through this, you're probably familiar with the story of Jonah. But let me quickly recap. God commanded Jonah to go to Nineveh, Nineveh dis, uh, Jonah disobeyed. He did not go to Nineveh. Nineveh is like 500 miles this way, and he tried to sail at least 1,000 miles that way in the opposite direction. And so God, of course, knew where he was. He sent the storm, and the storm uh, frightened the sailors. The sailors somehow perceived that this storm was of supernatural uh, origin and intent, and they prayed to their gods. They threw all the cargo overboard. They commanded Jonah to pray to his god, and then they drew lots. The lot fell to Jonah, and Jonah admitted that this storm was his fault. And he said, throw me into the sea when they asked what they could do to stop it. They were reluctant to do that because if Jonah's God could be so angry as to bring this storm about, what would they do if they killed him? And so they were reluctant. They tried to get to shore. They couldn't. They eventually throw him overboard. And so that's where we pick up the story. Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now, I think we tend to simplify, way oversimplify what has happened thus far. Jonah has not been saved. The title of the last message that I gave was God Preserves Jonah. And he is preserved in the belly of this fish. And that's where all of chapter 2 takes place in the belly of this fish. Jonah's not been saved yet. He's been preserved. And he's alive in this fish, wishing he was dead. Because he, just like the sailors, expected to die when he got thrown overboard. And now, instead, he's caught up in this living hell. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read children's books intended for Christian children, 
and I see Noah's Ark as this tiny little boat with a giraffe's head sticking way up out of it, I'm annoyed. That's not a realistic portrayal of the ark. Other stories that show Jonah show him sitting in a room as comfortable as my family room with a light, a table, a chair, a book, a lantern. That wasn't what Jonah experienced in the belly of that big fish, was it? We so mislead our children intentionally, and it's sad that we do. And so I just encourage you all to go home, and if your children haven't colored over those pages or pictures in your books, you do it. <laughs> because that's not true. It's a lie. We shouldn't be propagating these lies to our children. So now, we re just read what Jonah thought of being in this fish. He cried out to the Lord because of his affliction, out of the belly of Sheol, out of the belly of hell. That's how he regarded this. He had been cast into the deep. Floods surrounded him. Waters surrounded him. The deep closed around him. He went down to the moorings of the mountains. The earth with its bars closed behind me forever. This man is not a happy man. He's not sitting in his family room reading the Bible, ready to pray to God. He is actually still proudly resisting God. He'd wanted to die. God didn't let him die. I'm not done with you yet, Jonah. Your life is mine. You're my servant. You can't just end your life. And so all along, he thought he'd die, and now he's living in this hell of a fish in the Mediterranean Sea. Now, I naively thought the Mediterranean is small. You know, I mean, I look at it. It, it seems small. It's coming to the ocean, right? Well, you know how deep the Mediterranean is? The average depth is 4,900 feet. The average depth is a mile. The deepest part between Italy and Greece is three miles. So when he says he went down to the moorings of the mountains, that's what he's talking about. He went one to three miles down. It's good for Jonah he was in that fish, right? Now, I would imagine that his quarters got a little cramped. Uh, Trevor's gone down in the submarine. The submarine gets compressed as it goes down. Your human body would just be crushed like a little walnut if it were not protected by this big fish that is intended to endure that type of pressure. But he refers to it. He refers to that pressure. The water surrounding me, the deep closed around me, the earth closed behind me forever. That fish's gut is getting smaller and smaller the deeper he goes. And so he must feel like he's being crushed. He's living this hell, and God won't let him die. And you can see how proud Jonah was, because what does verse 17 in chapter 1 say? And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed. Three days he endured this, wanting to die, thinking he would die, but then realizing God isn't going to let me die. And then everything turns around, and you can see how hope then filled him. He submitted, finally. And only with that submission came the joy of living. Does that remind you of anything in your life. Only with submission came joy. We fight, we fight, we fight against God, and we are not happy. 
The more you oppose God as his child, the more unhappy you become. You can see how unhappy Jonah is. We have here a portrayal of how God rescues us from our own stubborn pride. And so we look past all of this in the life of Jonah. We just don't think about it. But you must realize that this is being played out in all of our lives. To the degree that you resist God, that you resist his good for you, that you think you know better, he crushes you. He awakens you to joy only beyond the submission that he exacts from you. Because when you try to fulfill your life in any way other than his prescribed path, he will cause you to fail. And this is a wonderful thing. Jonah is so blessed to have all of this compressed into this tiny time frame. For the most of us, it goes on much, much longer, and we resist God in much more uh, light ways, but in ways that just cause our lack of joy to linger on and on. God preserved Jonah's life, yes, but he was in a dark, damp, nasty place. Three days, no water, no food, unless I guess if he found something in that fish's belly to eat, right? God held him there, but it was his own pride for which God was holding him there until he relinquished it. And so God, it's like they're wrestling and God has Jonah in a headlock, and finally Jonah cries uncle, and God then releases him. So are you prideful? If you're a prideful person, then God will oppose you. God opposes the proud, but gives what to the humble? Grace to the humble. And so when we come to the table, we come seeking grace. We want grace. That's why we're here. And so we cast pride aside behind us. We must in order to embrace the grace that he offers. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the lesson that we have from Jonah, and we pray, Lord, that you would humble us, have us to truly seek our joy in you and in the finished work of Christ. We come before you now, Father, and relinquish our sin and our hold on ourselves. We are your servants, and we pray that you would use us to your glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.